also welcome those who are online and those who may be watching or listening to podcasts and audio messages of this recording after now. I want to say God bless you. I want to believe God that um, you are aware of all our channels. We we have all our messages on LiveGate Outreach TV in YouTube, all one word, LiveGate Outreach TV. And I want to encourage that you go to that channel. Please subscribe to it. When you subscribe to it, what happens is that you get a notification. All the messages we do in this church right from the inception are done in series. And um, quite a lot of them from the last couple of years, we have put them in playlists. So you can see a playlist of a whole series and then you can follow it up like that. In case you hear today's message and you hear that it is a part two or a part three or whatever part... You can always go there and find the parts that precede it because uh, God speaks to us in those volumes per time. And I want to encourage you to be part of that. If you are a podcast person, you have a, a mobile phone or a tablet that you have subscribed to some podcast channels, you can also find us on most podcast channels now uh, on all platforms, iOS, Android, Google, all those kind of things. You can find us there. Just look for LiveGate Outreach Center and you will be able to, again, subscribe to that. And um, the Lord will continue to do you good in Jesus' name. I want to appreciate God for the privilege to bring the word your way this morning. I believe, God, that um, you, uh, when we started the series last week on fruitfulness by sanctification, God spoke to you in diverse ways. And um, as you can see in our banner, we are just on topic two of 13. This is going to take us to the end of June, and we're looking forward to everything God wants to do with us. We are today on uh, fruitfulness by wisdom and understanding. Last week, we looked at fruitfulness by knowledge, and today we are looking at fruitfulness by wisdom and understanding. Next Sunday being Easter Sunday, by the grace of God, we'll be looking at fruitfulness through death, and uh, we'll continue from there. The first four of these sessions are looking at fruitfulness of the spirit. We are looking at man, these three months, the month of April, the month of May, the month of June, we are looking at man being a spirit, having a soul, and living in a body. And I want to encourage us to say that we can, we can learn a lot by looking at fruitfulness in these three realms. So there is fruitfulness of the spirit, there is fruitfulness of the soul, and there is fruitfulness of the body. Hallelujah. I see we need to have windows open and then we have heaters on. It doesn't make much sense. So put off the heaters first. God bless you. So we need to understand that it is good for us to see that God wants us to be fruitful in these three realms. So we'll be looking at fruitfulness of the spirit, everything we are looking at this week has to do with fruitfulness of the uh, spirit by wisdom and understanding. So just setting the context very well for us. We started by looking at the fact that God has made, has prescribed that man should be fruitful, right from Genesis 1.28. Thank you for the banner. God has prescribed that man should be fruitful. And uh, everyone must come to the place where we understand God's intention for fruitfulness. We as believers particularly are chosen to be fruitful in unique ways. John 15, 16, you'll be hearing this verse over and over, as these few verses over and over throughout the series, just to keep laying the foundation. John 15, 16, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. That you should go and bear fruit. The appointment of a Christian is not an appointment to nonsense. It's not an appointment to festivities. It's not an appointment to the things we like or the things we don't like. It is an appointment to an assignment. The Bible says he saved us and called us into a ministry called the ministry of reconciliation. Every believer must understand this. Over the years, Christians have developed erroneous concepts of what Christianity is. And you hear people evangelizing and saying, give your life to Christ and everything will be okay with you. And from today, you will not know poverty, you will not know shame, you will not know this. Listen, that's just junk, nonsense, utter nonsense. God called everyone into one purpose, to continue to spread the word of the good news. Now, of course, as added benefits, added advantages, God takes care of those who serve him. 
But we don't come to God because of those things he gives us. We come to him because he gave us his only begotten son. And he says, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. So we, as people who have received that life, are called to bear fruit in helping others to receive that light. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, he called us. The process of sanctification is a process of calling unto himself to make holy. He called the sinner to himself to make them holy. The Bible says, whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he made us to be holy by calling us to himself. Now, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, May the God, let's read it together, everybody, let's go. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's read verse 24 together, everybody. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Who is going to do it? God who calls you. No believer can remain a believer in his own strength. Don't, don't even think of it. Many people fall and backslide today because they rely on their own strength. Somehow, they start off by having faith in God and believing that God is helping them, and then they switch to this auto mode. How many of you have cars that have uh, cruise control? And uh, you have cruise control on your car? Yes, I'm sure many cars nowadays have cruise control, whereby you just uh, get to a particular speed and you set your car to, to just cruise by itself, you know? God help you, don't sleep off. <laughs> because you should just be cruising. If, if he doesn't know that you are sleeping. They put something in my car, which I like. If you, if you go towards, you know, on the motorway, you have these uh, grilled lines. If you touch it once, it will forgive you. If you touch it the second time, it will flash to you, tell you, my friend, take a break. <laughs> it will just say, take a break. Because it can sense that you are sleeping. Very soon, the cars will just take over and drive you. <laughs> Hallelujah. It can sense that you are tired. When you veer off the first time and you hit the grill, it shakes your steering a bit. If you don't respond and you carry on and you do it again within a short span of time, it will slow the car down and flashlights to you and say, take a break, take a break. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, I wish my father had a car like that in his time. <laughs> All those struggling he did when we were young, driving, and I have to be keeping awake to wake him up. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, the Bible says, he who calls you is faithful, he will also do it. Don't ever try to serve God in your strength. This is what prayer is all about. When you come to pray, pray, say, Lord, renew my strength. When you study the word, dig into the word to gain strength. The Bible says wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your time. So you go into the word of God to gain wisdom and knowledge to help you remain stable. This is why we fellowship. This is why we encourage fellowship. Iron sharpens iron. This is why we encourage prayer. Prayer is the place where we demand and we go to the Lord and, and put a demand on him, as it were, to help us through our infirmities. So we must understand the sanctification that he has given to us is to continue to make us holy and to be preserved blameless at the coming of Jesus. We have been sanctified, therefore, to bear this fruit. Again, we read Galatians 5, to 23. A lot, let's go. He said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Let's read together. Peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 24. Gentleness. Verse 24, let's go. Gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. So, for us to be able to walk in bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, we must understand the sevenfold manifestation of the Spirit of God. We said he is the one who is faithful to do it. He is the one who is faithful, who has called. He is the one who is faithful to do it. So, who is the he? Isaiah 11 Verse 1 and 2 tells us who he is and what he is set to do for us. Isaiah 11, 1. He said, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of, stem of Jesse, and the branch shall grow out of its roots. 
than two. The spirit of the Lord. Let's read verse 2 together, everybody. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. He manifests in these seven ways to help us to do what he said he would do in the helping us for the complete sanctification. So the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding is what we want to look at today. He said the spirit of the Lord itself shall rest upon him to sanctify him, to make him holy. The spirit of wisdom and the spirit of understanding. We need the spirit of wisdom. We need the spirit of understanding so that we can gain wisdom and understanding and walk in God's plans for us. Everybody say with me, knowledge is information. Wisdom is application. Understanding is revelation. Knowledge is information. Wisdom is application. Understanding is revelation. So the spirit of wisdom and understanding helps us. Last week we talked a lot about knowledge. We gain information. You need information. If you don't have information, you are completely powerless. If you don't know certain things, ignorance, the Bible says, can destroy people. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Whether it's a knowledge of God or a knowledge of your subject or a knowledge of what you should know. So you must understand that there is no doubt, no debating the fact that knowledge is important. But you see, the place of wisdom and, and understanding must never ever be missed out. Because knowledge is limited without wisdom. Knowledge is limited without understanding. We must be people who go after Knowledge, go after wisdom, go after understanding. This is why every part of the Holy Spirit we read in Isaiah 11:2 tells us that there is a spirit of wisdom and understanding. There is a spirit of counsel. We'll look into that. There is also a spirit of knowledge. We'll look into that as well. So knowledge is the what of a matter. When you talk about knowledge, see it as the what of a matter. The question, what is it? What is it? Is happening. What? Knowledge is the what of a matter. Wisdom is knowing the how of a matter. When you know what it is, placing a demand on you for something to be done, wisdom is knowing the how to do that thing that you know is right to do. So knowing is right to do something is good. The Holy Spirit helps you to gain it and understand. That is fine. We talked last week that when you walk with God, God, by the fear of God, he helps you to know things, which is fine. We said that when you study the word of God, it helps you to know things, which is fine. So it gives you that knowledge. But you need to also know how to apply the knowledge. This is where wisdom comes in. So the spirit of wisdom broods over every knowledge you have. Everything that has appeared to you and has come to you as knowledge. The wisdom helps you to have a clear understanding that allows you to know the how. The how. And then understanding itself is knowing the when. So say it with me. Knowledge is the what? Say knowledge is the what? And then say wisdom is the how. Say understanding is the when. Understanding has to do with timing. It's good to know how to do something, but it's also very good to know the context. It's very important to to know the context. So knowledge can exist on its own, but it will be limited without wisdom and understanding. Many of us know the story of Joseph very well. Joseph is a man we preach about a lot, especially when we talk about things like integrity, when we talk about things like the wisdom of God, understanding that God gave to this one man who lived such a very unique life. The man who moved from slavery to prison and then moved from prison straight to become a prime minister. Very uncommon. Very uncommon, very unusual. But Joseph must have operated by the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of wisdom, and the spirit of understanding. When Joseph went into prison, he had the understanding of dreams, and he demonstrated it there. 
So it was clear when the butler was representing him before the king, the butler was telling him what he knew about Joseph and that Joseph had knowledge of dreams. So knowledge invariably took, the knowledge of dreams that Joseph had took him out of the prison. And it is the wisdom, the ability to know how to handle dreams, dreams, how to interpret dreams that kept him in front of uh, Pharaoh. But I want you to know that what got Joseph to become prime minister is the understanding of the dreams that he now interpreted. There are three realms of life that if you and I want to be people who are fruit-bearing, people who are walking at the, at the level God wants us to walk in the sanctification he has called us into, we must be pressing in every matter, not just knowing the what, not just knowing the how, but knowing the when, knowing what to do. So he had knowledge of dreams. He had, say with me, Joseph had knowledge of dreams. Say Joseph has had wisdom of interpretation. And he had understanding of implementation. The three of them go together. The writer of Proverbs, King Solomon, said them in this way, in Proverbs 24, verse 3 to verse 5. He said, through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with precious and pleasant riches. So knowledge are the precious and pleasant riches. But without wisdom there is no house. Without understanding there is no establishment of the house. He said, true wisdom, go back to verse 3, thank you. He said, true wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding it is firmly established. Wisdom took Joseph to the presence of Pharaoh. But you know something? What distinguished Joseph was understanding. Everyone that was, in, that was called when Pharaoh had his dream, the magicians and astrologers, just like in the days of Daniel, that were called to give insight to the dream, did not understand it. They did not have the wisdom to interpret it. But Joseph had it. Now, if Joseph had interpreted that dream and he did not go on to give that which God put in him by understanding I believe he would have been relieved from prison, but he would have probably just become another servant, another butler. Think about it very well. The, 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 the Pharaoh would appreciate him for telling him the, the, a dream and interpreting it because nobody could do that. So it was a step beyond those who were his contemporaries. But when God walked by the spirit of understanding to this man, in Genesis chapter 41, verse 31, he said something to them. He said, this is why they need to find a wise and discerning man. After he told him the meaning of the dream, he said, there will be seven years of plenty, but that is good. But you know something? There will be seven years of famine. You have had two dreams. He said, God showed you two dreams of seven things that are showing a consumption of something good we must save and prepare for the seven every one of us must understand that there is a way the spirit of understanding allows you as a person to see beyond the wisdom in a matter but understand the times and the seasons about it this is what have insight revelation that goes beyond just knowing how to do something to see beyond it and seeing how to do it at the appropriate time and the cycles of life at the time that is necessary. This is what brought Joseph to his throne. When Pharaoh heard those words in Genesis 41, verse 33, when he heard those words, he said to him, he said, where can we, in verse 39, he said, where can we find a man? A man in whom the Spirit of God is like yourself, who is wise and discerning, who is wise and demonstrating understanding. Many believers pray for promotion and pray and fast and do things for promotion. But if we understand that this is what we need to pray for the more, promotion is natural. Promotion follows people who have understanding. Promotion and lifting comes to people who can see beyond just the knowledge, see beyond how to do things, but understand also the phasing of things. I pray that there is anointing 
for wisdom and understanding in this place today that will be your portion in Jesus name you need to be wise you need to be discerning everything God wants to do with us in this period is to help us understand that our sanctification and calling unto himself is not just about help calling us to take us to heaven if God called us to take us to heaven and that was all sanctification does which many believers have stayed for long if that was all it does the day you got born again you don't have any business living here again you and I don't have any business the day you get born again you get zapped up into heaven because that's ultimately where the journey is but for him to say he will keep sanctifying you completely it simply means that there is a journey because there is a ministry he commits into your hand the day you get born again, which is to reach others and bear fruit and reach others and bear fruit so that many more people can also come into this saving knowledge of Christ. But it will take you being completely sanctified in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body to be effective in that ministry. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 33. The Bible says, Wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding. But what is in the heart of fools is made known. Proverbs 14, verse 33. Wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding. But what is in the heart of fools is made known. Say wisdom rests in the heart of him who has understanding. May wisdom rest in your heart. May understanding be your portion in the mighty name of Jesus. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 7, the Bible says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, what? Get understanding. Get wisdom. Pray for wisdom. Go for wisdom. Pursue wisdom. But as you are pursuing wisdom, also seek understanding. First, from the spirit of God to help you live a fruitful life. But you must also understand and you must also come to the place that in what you do in life, don't stay at the level you are with the knowledge you have. Knowledge is multiplying by the second in our day and age. Many years ago, knowledge was doubling every year. Now, the prediction is that the knowledge, the information, sorry, information available in the world doubles every year. Many years ago. So by the next year, it has doubled what it was and doubled what it was. Now, it is much more quadrupling on a quarterly basis. Which means that at the end of a year, what was the information available at the, at the beginning of a year would have multiplied about 16 times by the end of that year. So much is available now. And it's affecting the workplace. It's affecting people in how they serve God. It's affecting everything we do. The church is not a microcosm. That's a leader in any way. This is When we talk about leaders, we're not just talking about leaders of groups, leaders of companies, leaders of churches, those kind of things. Everyone child of God is called to be a leader. If you are to be the light of the world where you are, now you may not be the CEO in the place. You may not be the top-notch person in the place, but you are the carrier of the good news. I say you are the carrier of the good news. You are the one God has planted in that place to be the bearer of good news. So you must be a person who is consistently in pursuit of understanding. The Bible talks about the men that gathered unto David and when they wanted to make him king in, when he was in Hebron. First Chronicles chapter 12 from verse 23. I'll read just a few verses, 23 to 25, then we'll go to verse 32. Can I have First Chronicles 12, 23, please? The Bible says, now these were, let's read it together. Now these were the numbers of the divisions that were equipped for war and came to David at Hebron to do what? To turn over the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. They were all, somebody said they were all equipped for war. Now let's read verse 24. He said, of the sons of Judah, bearing shield and spear, 6,800 armed for war. Let's read verse 25 before we skip. He said, of the sons of Simeon, mighty men of valor, fit for war, 7,100. 
And he went on and on and on, listing all the tribes of Israel in their thousands, all equipped for war. They were very strong men. God, in his wisdom, has always made the nation of Israel and those people very, very cunning in warfare. They are very witty in warfare. Till today, till today, no human being understands what they can do and what they cannot do. That's why, I don't want to deviate from this, but that's why they hardly get involved with the war. Because the moment they talk, everything changes. <laughs> everything changes. You don't know what they can do and what they cannot do. And that's just God's wisdom. That's just God's wisdom. We must all understand this. They were all full of men of valor, men of war. But look at verse 32. Let's read of, of the sons of Issachar. Let's go. Of the sons of Issachar, who had what? Understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Somebody say wisdom. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. They had understanding of the times. They had understanding. And every one of those thousands of people that were in the other 11 tribes were at their command. This is why it does not matter where you are placed in any organization, in any strata of society. As long as you walk by the spirit of understanding, everybody will be at your command. I say everybody will be at your command. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Many, many years ago, I was brought into a workplace when I was still working back in Nigeria. I was in my mid-twenties, very young, uh, but I was a qualified engineer. And I was brought into this company by divine appointment. And uh, I found myself there. They were very young people. Our top boss that time was just about 38. Because I remember he turned 40 around about 1997. And uh, everybody were in their late 20s, early 30s. I mean, those who were like 35 then were among those who were like older ones among us. We were all in mid-20s right up to about early 30s. Anyway, so you can imagine that kind of thing. Most of them were not married. The, the people that were married, their wives were not with them. They were living elsewhere because the project they were handling before I joined was in a very remote site away from them. So they were all party guys. That's where I'm going with all this. They were just rockers. <laughs> so every Friday they're out when I got there, I said, Lord, you're going to help me here. Because I don't want to be like a, what do you call this, a killjoy. <laughs> I don't want to be the killjoy in the, in, among the team. But at the same time, I don't want to do these things. How can I shine this light here? And uh, Abbas did not initially like me because he felt I was a killjoy, to be quite frank. Anytime they say, let's go, bubble, let's drink, let's this, I would just manage to get there and take my soft drink and all that. And he was like, ah. This guy, where did they find him from? <laughs> so I started praying. And then one day my wife, now my, then my fiancé, came to visit to just see the place because I was just starting there. And when she came, she said, let's pray about this thing. Let's trust God. And uh, she, she came with a bottle of anointing oil that was used in our ministry that time. It was blessed for people to just have prayer points and things. And uh, we prayed. And I anointed myself. I remember very clearly, because she was going back that evening, but that afternoon in the break time, I remember so well, between 12 and 2, we have a break. As I anointed myself, the conversations I had with my boss before 12 was so bad. In fact, I thought I may need to resign. God is my witness. But by the time I anointed myself and prayed, I said, God, you, are give, you brought me here and you are giving me this land. From today, I take charge of this territory and we prayed anointed myself like that we joined hands together and she went off and then i went back to the office when i got back to the office i don't know what happened i had cause to go to my boss office when i opened the door and he saw me he said david it's so good to see you <laughs> i said this anointing is very strong <laughs> and that was the day everything changed everything changed and before i knew it let me just cut the long story short. Before I knew it, everybody was following me to church in that place. Everybody. Everybody. Hallelujah. We don't know the power we carry. And not only was God doing it that I, because I was just inviting people, God was now giving me wisdom 
an insight into my work. I came to Loughborough University. Those of you who are Commonwealth Fellows, you have heard this story before. It is one of the reasons why we committed to the Commonwealth Fellowship Scheme. I came on a British Council program, sponsored program, 1997, April and May, to learn management of urban water supplies by divine providence and provision of God. And when I finished that course, Loughborough University here, when I finished that course, it was as if I became another man. When I went back home and I taught my colleagues water supplies, they were shocked. When I opened mouth to talk water treatment, everybody listened. So God gave me supernatural favor. And the work we were doing then was so relevant to what I was, to what God had just brought me through. So God did not just enhance my spiritual standing in the place. He also gave me a voice even with what we were doing. What I'm trying to say here, friends, is that the Holy Spirit doesn't work partially. He only, allow, he only works to the extent to which you allow him. Open your mind to understanding. Not just understanding of the Bible. Understanding what you are doing. When God gives you insight into what you are doing, there is a way that in itself, as it was in the days of Joseph, that in itself takes you to the place where brethren will be subject to you. I say people will be subject to you in the name of Jesus. Not so that you can manipulate and be the boss and be the chauvinistic person above them, but to have the right level of influence. It is important that you continue to allow God to give you the right voice and the right level of influence where it is needed. So the sons of Issachar were those who had their brethren at their command. I want to quickly tell us three things that are the sources of wisdom and understanding for spiritual fruitfulness. Number one is just like we discussed last week. Living in the fear of God. This is walking with God in holiness. This yields wisdom and understanding to the believer. Walking with God in holiness always yields wisdom and understanding to the believer. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. I want us to read that together. Proverbs 9, 10. Everybody, let's go. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let's read it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Fear God, you get wisdom. Fear God, walk with God, you get wisdom. But the moment you also have a knowledge of the Holy One, you gain understanding. When God shows you things from his word and shows you things from his person. Last week I told us, every time you read about Jesus, read about Jesus in two ways. Learn his person and learn his principles. Everything you will read about Jesus, the prophecies before Jesus from Genesis right through to Malachi will tell you about the person and the principles of Jesus in different ways from different prophets. But when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the very evidence of his presence here on earth, you will hear from him himself when he said, I am the light of the world, a, a person, his personality. And then he says, you are the light of the world. It allows you to connect your wisdom to his wisdom because in his light, we see light. It allows you to walk differently. When you know the person and the principles of Jesus, you cannot be the same person again. The Bible says the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And then when you come to the, 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 the account of the first church in the book of Acts, right through to all the letters of Paul and Peter and jo James and John and all those apostles of, of the, the, the foundation church, when you come to their writings, you also understand more about what you and I need to be doing and how we are expecting him as he has promised he is coming back for us. The knowledge of the Holy One. I pray that the knowledge of the Holy One will be your portion today. In the name of Jesus. Job 28, 28. And to the man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Job 28, 28. And to the man he said, And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Not the fear of the economy. Not the fear of a person. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. 
The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is what? The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. To depart from evil, which is also the fear of the Lord, that is understanding. If you want to walk in wisdom and understanding the, 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 the need for you to walk in holiness and to live in the fear of God, is a non-negotiable. All of us celebrate Joseph so much. When Joseph said, how can I do this thing and sin against God, he launched himself into a new realm of wisdom, a new realm of understanding. When David took that spear and looked at Saul and felt so much pity for him, as it were, and said to himself, I cannot destroy the Lord's anointed, and just cut a little bit of his robe to show him that he had the power to kill him, but he refused. When he did that, he launched himself into a new realm of wisdom and understanding. Compromise is not looking for anything from you and I other than to lose connection with God so that we don't walk in wisdom and understanding. You are born again, you get to heaven, settled. But are you able to live life and maximize life on this side of eternity? That is about Knowing the fear of the Lord to have his wisdom and departing from evil so that you can have understanding. Men of understanding are men that walk at the top. Job chapter 32 verse 8. It says, but there is a spirit in man and the breath of the almighty gives him understanding. Job 32 verse 8. There is a spirit in man and the breath of the almighty gives him understanding. May God continue to give you understanding in the name of Jesus. Walking with God is a very simple thing. It's a very simple thing. It's just a determination on a day-by-day basis, on a daily basis, that you want to walk with God. You don't want to compromise. Our world is full of opportunities to compromise left, right, and center every moment. Opportunity to lie, opportunity to cheat, opportunity to fight, opportunity to fornicate, opportunity to commit adultery, opportunity to do anything evil. It's so, so much at our faces now. Everyone must understand that God has not changed. What he's expecting of you and I is to consistently be people who are in active pursuit of wisdom and knowledge of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding by the fear of the Lord. Let us remember the saints of old that refused to compromise and because of them today we stand where we stand. Let's remember them. Let's remember them. Let's not give in to the temptations and those things. And let me tell you something. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, there is no temptation that has come to you that is not common to man. So it is not an excuse to say, I am faced with so much temptation. No. The Bible says, God will not allow. Somebody say, he will not allow. Anything that you are unable to bear to come to you. He won't allow it. He won't allow it. You know David very well in the Bible? He was a different person. That's why David was not tempted like Joseph was tempted. Because God knew David. In fact, he didn't tempt him. He went and tempted himself. <laughs> he went and tempted himself. So God will not allow you to face. So any temptation you are facing part time, say, I have power. Say it with me. I have power to overcome it. The Bible says he will not allow. And if we say that he allows, that means we make him a liar. So when we compromise, it's simply because we refuse to engage with the power that he has put in us to overcome it. So every time you remember, and it looks as if the devil is wanting you to compromise in any way, shape, or form, remind yourself first that I have power to overcome this, and I will overcome it. I say you will overcome it in the name of Jesus. Say, I can't forgive them for what they've done. It's so bad. Say, Pastor, if you know what they've done to me, it is so difficult. They did this and did that and did that. God knows you have power to forgive. He knows. (laughs) It's just a choice for you to make. Forgiveness is a choice. Jesus hung on the cross and they were spitting at him and calling. They said, get down if you are the son of God. This and that. He looked at them. He shook his head. He said, Father, forgive them. (laughs) Why? For they don't know what they are doing. 
So many times the people the devil uses to try to make you compromise and make you do those things, they don't even know what they're doing. And at times some of them know, I know. But in many cases they don't know. They just think they're doing something. So don't get yourself robed in those things because it minimizes your access to the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Everybody must understand living in the fear of God is not old-fashioned. To be modest, to be chaste, to have a sense of decency, to be having a decorum of our speech, to not use swear words, and to be people who are decent in our presentation, in our mannerism, to be gentle, to be peaceable, to be peace-loving people, is not Old Testament. It is not old-fashioned. It is the evidence, it is the fruit of our living in the fear of God. We must press into those things every day. And then use the wisdom of God. As the fear of God you walk in, it gives you wisdom to know what to avoid. He knows, he gives you wisdom to know places to avoid. He knows what to help you to do. And as he gives you the wisdom to know those things, apply yourself to them so that you don't get caught by the one who is going about seeking whom he may devour. He will not find you in Jesus' name. One of the reasons why our younger generation are struggling to come into the faith is because there is a confusion of what they hear from people ahead of them, including parents, preachers, people in generations ahead of them who are supposed to be Christians with the examples. There is a confusion in what they preach and what those young people are seeing them demonstrate. This is why we must understand that it is our responsibility to live the life. It is our responsibility to live in the fear of God so that we can continue to pass on to the generations that are coming behind us. Till Jesus tarries to come, we don't know how long it will be. We don't know when he will come again. But everyone who passes through the sands of time must make up their mind that they will truly be lights that will leave their own footprints in the sands of time. That when people look at their lives later on, when people review their for that saint who has gone to be with God in glory. I pray that that will be your story in the mighty name of Jesus. I have a lot of professional qualifications and I do so many things. God has helped me. For 30 years of practice life across countries, God has helped me tremendously. But all those things mean nothing to me. What I want, I mean, in terms of what I want to be remembered of me, Jesus starting to come. I don't want somebody to remember that I was ABC something. I just want them to remember that that man loved the Lord and everyone around him, he made to love the Lord. That's good enough. Hallelujah. That's good enough for me. Let it be that what you strive for on a daily basis, whilst, yes, we are in this world to have those accolades and those things, they are not bad. Keep getting as many as God helps you to get. Keep doing it. Like I said, he gives you a higher level of influence. This time last year, I was at a particular level in the academic circles. And I, as much as it lies within me and I could use my influence, I used it as much as possible. I had more, many people who did PhDs with me, many people who did things with me that also got an infection of what I have in terms of the God I serve. Thank God for it. Today, I operate in an institutional level, representing an institution on many platforms outside that same institution. It's another level of platform. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. But you know something? The key thing God gives us these things for is not just so that we have another title to our name. It's not just so that we have another. It is so that we can have a voice and so that we can have more influence to help more people to have a voice and have more influence to help more people to have a voice. This is how our world will continue to embrace the light of the glorious gospel that God has given to us. I pray it shall be our portion in Jesus' name. Number two thing. Walk with wise and discerning people. This is very important. Walk with wise and discerning people. Don't walk with fools. The Bible says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Psalm 1 verse 1. You want to be a blessed man? Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the way of sinners. The Bible says, Be the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on it you are meditating day and night. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Walk with wise and discerning people. Proverbs 13, 20. Let's read it together. He who walks with the wise 
men will be wise, but companions of fools will be destroyed. You will not be destroyed in Jesus' name. Look for wise people and walk with them. Make them your friends. Don't compromise this in your life at all. If you have friends, I mean, we are Christians, we must mingle with people, we must spread the light and do that. We don't segregate, we don't discriminate, we must not do things like that. But when it comes to relational matters and the people you deal with on a consistent basis and share life with and rub off from one another, they must be wise people. You intentionally choose those. Not everybody that is in a position of authority and influence is a wise person. If the spirit they carry is a spirit of the enemy, a spirit of lust, a spirit of hate, a spirit of negativity, yes, they may be in a place of influence and you need to relate with them because you are working in the same space. That's fine, but you must understand that the relationship that would make you come together must not be forged with such a person. Walk with people who are God-fearing. Walk with people who desire to see that the wisdom of God is what continues to be what drives their life. I have had the privilege by the grace of God of meeting some wise people and they are still influential to my life today. I have discovered that when one, one word from a wise companion can change a lot of things for you. A wise companion can make you have wisdom because of their wisdom. They can help you have wisdom. They can give you access to things that you did not know. When I first came to this country, one of the first things, of course, I came on a PhD. This is now about 21 years ago. And um, when I was finishing the PhD, um, and I knew that by the grace of God, I would be settling in the country, and I started working as some of you know the story that I've told many times, one of the things I also wanted to do was to practice professionally. Because before I started my PhD, I was practicing, as I've told you, uh, very well in my, in, my, in my home country. And I wanted to practice professionally. So I didn't know how I'd go about it. And then I sent my CV to so many places. Now, before I left Nigeria, like I told you, my background was structural, structural engineering, but I moved into water because of the firm I joined. So I started, I wanted to progress in water supplies and I, my CV was very rich because I did so many projects. Within a short time, projects over $120 million those days. So I wanted to progress in that line because I felt that was, that was good to, to grow in. Now, one of the agents, this guy is called Kevin. I never met him. I never saw him till today. I don't know what he looks like. Maybe we have met on the road before. I never knew. But Kevin was a game changer for me. He said, that, David, I've seen your CV, and I see that you, have com you are just completing your chartership. I said, yes. Uh, that is with the professional body here. And then I said, yes. He said, now, what I noticed with your CV is that you have a lot of emphasis on water supply. He said, don't you want to go back to structures? I said, why not? It's just that I felt I've had so much pedigree in water, and I felt that's what I should do. Kevin told me. He said, David, this is the UK. Nobody is building any new dam. <laughs> I never thought of that. It didn't cross my mind. That was what I was doing before I came here, building dam everywhere. <laughs> I didn't even think that way. You know, Nigeria it was a big thing. One small dam like this, $3 million. We were making good money those days. <laughs> All the bosses took the money, but that, let's leave that story. <laughs> but you know something? I didn't even think that way. He said, nobody is building. He said, he said, no. He said, there are few water engineers in the country. He said, and they are not as... You know, it's not an area of need per se. He said, I see you have structures as your background. I said, that is what I started with. I love structures. He said, go back to structures. And he said, if I can advise you, develop yourself in learning how to repair old structures, something I had never done where I was coming from. He said, in this country, for the next 200 years, they will be repairing structures. <laughs> I thank God for Kevin, wherever he is. <laughs> For the past 15 years, that's what I've been doing, repairing structures everywhere. <laughs> He's breaking down, give it to me. <laughs> give it to me quick, quick. 
So I got myself into alteration and refurbishment of, of buildings from domestic to huge buildings, done things for big churches and so on in the last 15 years. The counsel of one man, I pray you find it in Jesus' name. The right counsel of one man, I pray you find it in Jesus' name. I don't make a boast of this. Plus salary and projects, what has entered my hand in those years is hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds in this country. Plus salary and everything and taxes that government have taken that I didn't get to see. But then, <laughs> it was my money as well. <laughs> in this country, you know that there is some money they will show you on paper and that is your money, but we have taken it. <laughs> There's a load of those. A lot of those. But you know something? I tell my wife every time, Kevin is a godsend. When he spoke to me in 2004, I didn't know what God was doing. But the moment I walked into what God was saying, through that wise man, things began to change. Now I want to tell you something there. Wise men may not always look it because of where they are per time. You need discernment. Those of you who are younger here and those of you who are married will tell you. Some of the ladies here sat here laughing today with very glossy thing. They will tell you, when I met that man, you don't want to see what he was looking like. <laughs> but I saw something about him. I saw he was going somewhere. Most ladies have that story. I saw he was going somewhere. When my wife met me, the only asset I had was a briefcase. It's an asset. I bought it. It was the most expensive thing I bought. <laughs> it was a briefcase. When I appear in it with my only pair of jeans and I stand like that, you think... <laughs> she just pitied me. <laughs> she just pitied me. Next month, this time, will be 30 years that we met each other for the first time. 30 years. She saw me. She saw that there is something about this person. He's going somewhere. He has nothing physically, but he's carrying something. <laughs> Hallelujah. First Samuel chapter 22, 400 people came to David in a cave. And they said, be our captain. How do you come to a fugitive and tell him to be your... You too, you are running. The Bible says they were disgruntled people. They were vagabonds. They were frustrated people. All kinds of names like that. And then they came to a, another disgruntled person, a vagabond who was running as it were, and they said, be our captain. Those 400 men saw what most people around David did not see. What Saul was trying to kill. What Saul was trying to destroy. Those 400 men saw it. They said, be our captain. First Samuel 22. They said, be our captain. And in next to no time, David was demonstrating why he was captain indeed. The wisdom and understanding of leading those men to war and taking spoils of war. And then before we knew it, the same people who were called disgruntled and vagabond and, uh, uh, and, and uh, lawless people now started to be referred to as David's mighty man. He who walks with the wise will himself become wise. First Samuel 16, he, first Samuel 17, he destroyed Goliath. First Samuel 16, he was anointed to be king. First Samuel 17, he destroyed Goliath. By the time Saul started pursuing him about, those people must have been saying, where is that Goliath giant killer? We don't care if he's hiding in a cave now. We don't care if he's running from a king now. He's carrying something we need. And the Bible says they came to him and he became their captain. Every one of us must understand that wise people... We need discernment to understand the wise people we need to associate with. Some of them already have the story. That's fine. It's easy to do that. You see it in their lives. You align with them. But in many cases, they come in packages we don't expect. You need a discernment. If I was not discerning, I would take Kevin to be like any other agent who is just looking for money. But this is a God-sent person that God wanted to put in my life to make me go the direction God wanted me to be in this country. Why do I make the money? It's because of things like this. How many cars can I drive at once? Even if I have 10 cars, it's crazy to put all of them and, and put drivers and say, drive after me because... <laughs> so it's not because of material things. God puts money in our hands so that we can do the gospel and be a blessing to others. This is what it's all about. Somebody is suffering somewhere. There is no school fees to pay. You pay all of it. And they will, they will, their life are altered forever. Don't you find joy in doing things like that? 
You go and sit down in a restaurant and eat, 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 eat. <laughs> <When you, laughs> that does not give you satisfaction. That's why every day you are eating and you are saying, why is this food not good? It's because you are, you are doing the wrong things. When you are putting food on other people's tables, when you are putting food on other people's tables and you are blessing people and you are changing the course of many and those reports are coming back and they are saying we have not been able to do this the joy you get is better than the, the, the best restaurant you can go and sit down I want us to understand that we need to be recognizing wisdom when we see it be attracted to wisdom and work with it my wife and I will climb on the same we will climb on uh, motorcycles in the city of Kaduna in northern Nigeria. She will follow me to go and preach. That's why there's nothing you can say about that woman that will ever move me. If you like, hate her. If you like, love her. I'll just be looking at you because you don't know what we have been through in 30 years together. 30 years. It's not, it's not, it's not three years. It's not 13 years. 30 years. If you're a 30-year-old person here, that's how long I've met my wife. <laughs> so don't come and say, hey, pastor, that's your wife. Oh, put your mouth, chow. <laughs> Shut that mouth. You don't know nothing. <laughs> they invite me to come and preach. I would stop two bikes. This lady will carry her Bible, carry with her bag. She'll put my Bible in her bag. I'll be with my tie. I couldn't even afford a suit. I will sit down on one bike. She'll sit down on the other one. They'll be, she'll be following me. They will take us to the place. We'll get there. We'll drive. We'll, we'll get, I will preach my heart. Preach my heart. When I'm going, they say bye. They don't give anything. No. <laughs> In fact, when I'm about leaving, some of those children, I look for whatever I have to give them. As well. <laughs> I preach my heart out. And I'll keep telling her, I see us flying nations one day. I see us serving God, but I don't know how it was going to be. Today we've been to almost every continent on the earth by the grace of God. For many years now, she doesn't know how fuel gets. She buys the fuel herself, but she doesn't know how it's paid for. She doesn't even know when her insurance is due on her car. She doesn't even know how much she pays for insurance. I tell you, ask her. Go on. She's downstairs. Ask her. Say, who is your insurance? She doesn't know. <laughs> and she has been driving for 15 years now, more than 15 years. She doesn't know. Doesn't have a clue. Because for me, it is a payback for faithfulness. She was a wise woman who joined a wise man. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just said those things because it happens. At times people see churches, maybe this size or some even maybe younger, they despise it. They despise it. They say, what is this? It's kind of, there's one preacher there, he shouts like that every Sunday. He's just shouting, shouting, shouting. <laughs> Wise people know how to align. I know some people who have aligned with this church right from day one, almost nine years now, by the grace of God. I watch their life. I don't tell them anything. I watch their life. It's not where it was. I know. It's not where it was. I've seen people move, 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 move. God will help you to locate wise people. And as you locate wise people, wisdom will come to you. Amen. Understanding will come to you. Amen. Some of them are very quiet. We have a brother here who does big time business. Very big time business. Hardly will talk to anybody. If you are asking God, give me wisdom for business. Give me wisdom for business. You should be praying that God should open your eyes to see how to connect to such persons. And when you meet them to have the right word. Because they, don't, they hardly say anything. It's not like preachers like us who are always talking and telling you every story. <laughs> Those ones, they will just come in. They will tell you, God bless you, sir. <laughs> but there's something they carry that you need to connect to if God is calling you into that area as well. I pray you keep locating wise people. I say you keep locating wise people in the name of Jesus. The third thing I would like to say before I round this up is that we need to pray. Pray. James 1 says, if you lack wisdom... Verse 5, ask God. You lack wisdom, you ask God. Don't think at any time asking God is a waste of time. Lack wisdom, ask God. When you have a new task, you will be there will be a demand on you to do something you've not done before. Ask God. Ask God. Ask God. Ask God. 
in my former job before I left Wolverhampton University last December, if I was giving an audience to the dean of a faculty or my faculty, it looked like a big thing to me. I would have to prepare myself to face the dean of the faculty. Today, I don't deal with deans by the grace of God. I deal with the vice chancellor herself and pro-vice chancellors. I've never operated at that level in my life. So I don't, when the, the meeting is taking place, I've met my vice chancellor twice. When the meeting is taking place, I don't just open, go there and sit down and say, yeah, carry a cup of tea like that. I ask God, I say, Lord, wisdom. Because there is a demand. That audience is not given because somebody likes your face. It's not given because you're, you're, you are good in anything. It's given because there is a responsibility on you to deliver something. Like Joseph. Like Joseph, when they say, what are we going to do about this? There is a demand placed on him there. So you last wisdom, ask God. Be like Daniel, ask God. Pray every day, Lord, give me wisdom and understanding to do what I do. The Bible says, ask in faith, ask in faith. Colossians 1.9, we read it last week. It says, since the day we had it, do not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with knowledge. Of his will in what? All wisdom and spiritual understanding. Solomon prayed for wisdom and understanding. We always talk about him praying for wisdom. But he prayed for wisdom and understanding. Look at what he said. First Kings 3. He said, you have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you. Go to verse 6. Because he walked before you. David feared you. In truth, in righteousness, in uprightness of heart with you. He said, you have continued this great kindness for him. And you have given him a son to sit on his throne as in this day. And then verse 7. He said, now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people. Verse 8, you have chosen a great people, too numerous. Now, let's read verse 9 together. Look at a prayer of a man like you and I. Verse 9, everybody, let's go. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge these great people of yours? He didn't take it for granted. He asked for understanding. I think one of the biggest problems of Solomon, he should have also prayed for wisdom about women. It's true. He asked for wisdom to judge people. God gave it to him. <laughs> Just joking. But think about it. If he had said, and also how to manage all these beautiful women around me, he would have known how to pick only one and be happy. But he did not receive that wisdom. So everything beautiful, say, give me that one. <laughs> give me that one. But the truth is, ask for wisdom and understanding for Everything. Everything. Your child that is five years old today, you don't, you, the wisdom to deal with that child in two years' time is fresh. You need fresh. By the time he's seven, you need fresh wisdom. By the time he's ten, you need double fresh wisdom. By the time he's fifteen, <laughs> you need anointing. <laughs> you need anointing. Don't stay there. Hold hands with your wife. Say, honey, let's trust God for the next phase of this young man, this young woman. Let's trust God for wisdom to know how. And let's trust God for understanding. Understanding is always about the timing. Times and season. Very important. Times and season. They are cyclical in some cases. They come and go and come and go and appear in different forms. You need to be able to understand. You need to be able to know it. I want to finally say this. James 3, we read from verse 1 to verse 18. There is a big emphasis on what we say. The fruit of the Spirit manifesting in knowledge and in wisdom and understanding is born by what we say and by our actions. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Let him show. Let him show. He said, you should not have bitter envy, verse 14. Don't be self-seeking in your heart. Don't boast against the truth. Don't lie against the truth. He said, that kind of wisdom, verse 15, is not from above, but it is earthly. It is sensual, demonic. The wisdom of this earth is limiting. Don't live at the realm of the wisdom of this earth. Go for the wisdom, verse 17. He said, but the wisdom that is from above, 
is first what? Pure, is holy. Then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and good fruits it manifests without partiality and without hypocrisy. I want to encourage you, friends, keep going for that wisdom. The wisdom from above is above all. When you have the wisdom of God, wisdom of man cannot contest it. I say when you have the wisdom of God, the wisdom of man cannot contest it. In the mighty name of Jesus. I have told you I do a lot of big projects. Many times when they come, I don't know what to do. That's the truth. Because no two projects ever look like the same. But when I receive it, I say, Lord, you help me in time pass. Help me. Because the people that bring them, that's why you are called a consultant. The people that bring them are expecting you to deliver. And so, Lord, help me. And I've shared with you many times how God will wake me in the night and tell me this is what you will do about it. That same God wants to work in your life. I don't operate in this role in natural wisdom. It is impossible. It is impossible. But with the wisdom of God on a daily basis, I find strength. I find the joy. I find everything. How can you stand here preaching for almost nine years? You don't receive any financial incentive for it. Yet, you enjoy it. Yet, you are always going for it. That is, you don't receive financial incentive directly from the church. God blesses me. How do you explain that? It's the wisdom of God. I pray that it shall come upon you afresh today. The understanding that you need to help you to decipher things and walk in the timings of God for your life, it comes upon you today in the name of Jesus. Please rise to your feet with me and let us pray. Well,